0: <clears throat> Our text this morning <clears throat> comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Having read the first two chapters, we turn into the third chapter, verses 1 through 8. No doubt, a very striking and a memorable passage for you, dearly beloved. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend or tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. As we have recently been considering, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as we observe that this was a portion of God's Word, which on the very face of it is so very compelling with its structure and its beauty and its persuasiveness that even the unbelievers are moved by it so also we have a similar response to this something of a diamond in the rough of the book of ecclesiastes as we shall see even becoming as Probably many of you know a kind of, strangely enough, an anthem of the counterculture in the 1960s. But even these who had no spiritual eyesight sensed something of the power of what Solomon is saying. Now, having just read Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, I trust you will uh, having heard these things through or heard, hearing them afresh, uh, sense something of the, the striking uh, difference of tone and of mood, and really that's, that's a characteristic of the entire book. Ecclesiastes, arguably, is one of the most difficult books of Holy Scripture to understand, right next to Revelation. It's not easy because as soon as we begin reading, we hear a note of of doubt, of frustration, of futility, of despair. It's very odd. And if one really tries to understand it and not just dress it up in a kind of over-pious way, Because, of course, we know it is Holy Scripture, we want to to understand it in a positive sense. It's kind of hard, isn't it, To, to reconcile the reality that this is Holy Scripture, and yet it is dripping. Indeed, it is bleeding. With bewilderment, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon, under the inspiration of the Spirit, composes this portion of Holy Scripture, and yet, yet, I think it is only fair for us to appreciate the reality that the way the Holy Spirit has inspired Scripture has been, according to Hebrews 1.1, at different times and different manners— Really, this book, I think, expresses um, the truth of God through the experience of a man who was not altogether right. Now, we're not going to be considering the mere wisdom of men. We're going to be looking at the wisdom of God, and it shines through brightly, as I trust you will see. But let us consider what uh, Solomon beautifully shares with us and reveals to us concerning time and things. Time and things. First, let us look at Solomon's mind, and second, the Lord's mind. Not two things, ultimately, because God. God, although he is able and often does, choose holy men of God, according to Peter, who are moved by the Holy Ghost, sometimes he even chooses those who are in states and conditions that are not altogether well, yet to reveal his absolutely authoritative truth. He even did that with Caiaphas, didn't he? Or the book of Job. So much of the book of Job, there is, there is truth in it as Bildad and Zophar express it, and you can preach great sermons from those statements that they make, but we know that much of what they said was not quite accurately applied uh, to Job's case. And, and when Job speaks, he's a holy man, but does everything he say reflect a truly healthy spiritual state of of mind? He cursed the day that he was born. And so, the Lord, he reveals at different times and in different ways his mind. But first, let us consider Solomon's mind, generally from the book of Ecclesiastes, something of his philosophy, and even psychology. Solomon was a philosopher king. That's exactly what he indicates to us. He was not merely a a manager of state. He was one who inquired, into the reality and the meaning of things. He gave himself to seek after wisdom. Proverbs reflects the beginning of wisdom being the fear of God. And that is true philosophy, friends. No matter what the world says, about the wisdom and the learning of men. All of it is folly when it is detached from the one true and living God and his revelation and his word. But this passage records something of Solomon's wisdom in what I'm going to describe as a momentary optimism. Optimism. In a phase of his life that was otherwise marked by struggles with doubt and despair, I think it's only fair to put it that way. On either side of this beautiful passage of reason and order and beauty are notes of of pointlessness and meaninglessness and madness. That's the reality. Now, he produces here something of true beauty. Time and things, all of them have a purpose in God's world. To everything, there is a season. Almost as though perhaps, and again, this this is something of speculation, he might be talking to himself. You know, when you're not well... In your thought world, you need to talk to yourself and challenge yourself. Is everything madness? Is everything under the sun a chasing of the wind? Is it all senseless? To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to break down, a time to build, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Time and things, all of them, have purpose in God's world. Now, as we have said, Solomon was passing, so it seems, given the the context of, of Scripture later in his life, Earlier in his life, we read in 1 Kings 3 that Solomon loved the Lord. And in that love of God, when God gave him the opportunity, boys and girls, you know that amazing story, in a dream to choose whatever he wished, to have a blank check from the Lord? What would you choose, young people? But he doesn't choose victory on the field of battle. He doesn't choose insane amounts of wealth, glory, and fame. No, he puts that all aside. He wants wisdom so that he can serve God and serve his people. But it's often the case that those who start well don't end well. And we know that, don't we? from later in Solomon's career when the author to the king says that he loved many women, as it was common in the culture of those days for, for, for kings to take many wives. And these wives were from foreign countries, and they, they, it says that they led his heart away from the Lord. So, in all probability, what we are seeing here in Ecclesiastes is something that reflects a troubled mind on account of a troubled heart. And so he struggled with doubt and despair. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. What is the profit? What is the the advantage when it all just repeats itself over and over again? Or when I lay up these things and I've worked so very hard and then I die. And how do I die? Just like the fool. The same thing happens to the one as it happens to the other. And then what happens to my wealth? I end up giving it to a fool. How many times in history have we seen this? A good king dying and leaving his glory to a fool. And he's struggling. Ecclesiastes, at least in part, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preserves a record of the psychology of a believer whose mind was troubled. I think this is uh, perhaps the most helpful way to understand words such as Ecclesiastes 6, three. If a man beget a hundred children and live many years, so that the days of his years be many... And his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have new burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. Period. Is that the kind of verse that you would put on Facebook? But you know what? That's how he felt. That's what he was thinking. Now, Ecclesiastes three, one to eight is clearly a, a moment under God of clarity and sanity and beauty. We have it also, for example, in Ecclesiastes three, sixteen and seventeen, there's he he's kind of coming to himself from this this sense of meaninglessness and everything's unjust and unfair and it's all frustrating and there's not a point. Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. But, verse 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time for every purpose and for every work. He's wrestling He's struggling. And there are other beautiful and infinitely wise sayings of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. This is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Now, whether this was uh, a full restoration to a robust faith in the Jehovah that delivered His people from uh, the bondage of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea, we certainly have every reason to believe that this was a sincere believer and that we shall see him in glory. But but he got to heaven with a limp. Observe our states of mind. Even the godliest of saints fluctuate. They change. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Would to God we all had hearts that were on fire for the Lord and heads that thought clearly about His truth. Would to God that we didn't have that struggle and we didn't have to talk ourselves out of moments of despair. Why are you cast down my soul? David had to do that when, when all of his men, they're, they're ready to kill him because of what happened at Ziklag. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. But sometimes, the sickness sets in, the coughing, the hacking, the being consigned to bed spiritually for days on end. Friends, is not this, among other things, a warning of the Holy Spirit to us? If our hearts have begun well, what could be the end if we are not careful to guard our hearts and keep our minds From the lies, from the doubt, from the skepticism, from the pointlessness. Watch and pray. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Bible doesn't record the heroes and heroines of the faith without any of their problems. Job, holy Job, behold the patience of Job. Even he had to take his hand and put it over his mouth. I have spoken unadvisedly with my lips. And it's captured there in Holy Scripture. To everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven A time not only of spiritual health, but of spiritual sickness. A time not only of clarity and confidence in the revealed truth of God, but also a time of confusion because we've allowed it to happen. God clearly warned his servant David and the king's don't go after foreign women. Don't multiply wives. They will ensnare you and you will go after their gods and it will, be, it will be harsh for you. And some of the afflictions that God brings upon his children, especially those who may have more, shall we say, scientific or analytical Minds, they are especially susceptible to philosophical doubt. John Duncan, Rabbi Duncan, the great Scottish uh, theologian, he struggled with these kinds of doubts. It's interesting, before he was even truly saved, he had fallen into outright atheism. Don't any of you think that you couldn't slide into that? Solomon, he came really close. Now, God was kind, and and he was... uh, persuaded at some point and, and even overwhelmed. He was convinced by the, the existence of God and Rabbi Duncan actually at that point, he, he went to this bridge over the River Clyde in Glasgow and he danced, he was excited, he, had, he was convinced of God. But even that, even that comes short of being right with God. To everything... There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Well, we've considered Solomon's mind. Let us consider Jehovah's mind. God has spoken by his prophets. And one of those prophet, prophets was a philosopher king a philosopher king who contributed to Holy Scripture, the book of Proverbs, in which we have the the wisdom of God under the fear of God. We have the Song of Solomon, don't we? This glorious image, not simply of, of the love of a husband and a wife and the bond, that union that God has made, all the more of that union, that mystical union of Christ and his church. But then there is also this book that is not so easy to understand or to deal with because God's ways are not always easy to understand or to deal with. But whatever Solomon's state of mind was at any particular point, he has spoken. He has spoken and he has given these words for which we really need no qualification than some of those other words such as vanity of vanities, chasing after wind, madness, pointlessness. there is a time for everything under the heaven god has a beautiful order and a purpose that stands this passage reveals the very wisdom of god above and beyond solomon's states of mind and his personal uh, place and walk with the lord god is speaking about Ultimate realities, and that is what we have come to hear today, haven't we? And perhaps God is speaking to you through the the crookedness of Solomon in order to connect with you. Because you don't come here, do you, without questions? and doubts, and struggles. The Lord sympathizes. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And I want to say to you, as I say to Solomon, as I say to David, as I say to Peter, when, when you are distraught and, and you have no idea what has just happened, and perhaps you are You are desperate. You are bewildered. God has a beautiful order and His purposes stand. Time and things, all of them have a fixed place and purpose in God's world. There is a reason for all time And all things. And there is a purpose even for the changes. God has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of the habitation of men that they might seek the Lord. He's the author of time, He is the one who has made those great bodies in the heavens by which. We regulate and measure time. He was the one who created all things in the space of six days. And there was morning, and there was evening the first day. And it's all ordered. And it's all structured. And it's all moving progressively to something even better. Until day six... When God makes man in his own image, male and female, he creates them. And there shall be a time, a time when a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. And then there is a time of rest, a time to cease working and to rest in the Lord and none of that has fundamentally changed even though even though solomon has succumbed to some degree to the to the doubts and 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 the frustrations and the puzzles and the riddles yes there is fallenness in god's world even in this beautiful passage as beautiful As it is, there is a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to weep as well as a time to laugh, a time not only of peace but a time of war, a time to love and a time to hate. There is fallenness in this world. There is something of vanity, frustration, and futility in God's world. We have that right in Genesis 3, don't we? To the man he said, you will labor with thorns and thistles. You're going to produce You will bring forth profit, but you will be scarred and you will be broken and it will be frustrating. And there will be years when you have scattered your seed and you have worked so hard, and there will be drought, and there will be groans. And there will be aches and pains and tears, and sometimes it will seem as if there's no point. So even God has so clearly indicated at the very beginning that there would be vanity, futility, and frustration. But there's a purpose, and we see this so very clearly in Romans chapter 8. For the creature or the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature or the creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And it's going to be done through childbirth Through pain, through one who will be born, who will himself suffer vanity, frustration, futility, and death. That is a part of the vanity and the futility of God's world. There is a time to be born and a time to die. But hidden in the field of this beautiful text is a hidden treasure that there is a time for one that would be greater than Solomon to come. To resolve all riddles and gloriously to reveal the saving wisdom of God. In the fullness of time, he would be made of a woman, born under the law. That he might perform the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. The Lord. He says to us, as he has said to Solomon, as he had said to all believers who have ever read, not only his more um, practical and encouraging life wisdom in the Proverbs, but also the more dark and confusing book of Ecclesiastes, nevertheless, the Holy Spirit saw fit to include it within the Holy Scripture, to reveal. That through the frustration and the vanity, God would bring about his glorious purpose. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 9 and following, What profit hath he that worketh wherein he labors? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Everything. Now, there is a time and a purpose for this day and the change that is involved in it. Surely it is a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to embrace, but also a time to refrain from embracing. It is also a time to weep, a sad time, and I can testify that of a bittersweet experience there is much of bitterness in the departure from this dear congregation. This is also obviously a time for us here in this congregation of scarcity, smallness, weakness, a time of puzzles and riddles, of confusion, of hurt. Certainly, it is a time of uncertainty. Yet none of these things are pointless, senseless, or futile. And if we allow ourselves to begin indulging in those doubts, feeding the beast of of the, of the doubt and the skepticism, well, then, then it will not go well with us, but we must challenge ourselves. We must talk to ourselves. We must wisdom ourselves. Is not this a very helpful and such a persuasive and a beautiful portion of Scripture. And in the context of the entire book of God, it shines even more brightly than it could have ever shined when Solomon first put pen to paper. The Lord will make everything beautiful in his time. And even the the confounding experience of the disciples when they see their master hanging on a cross, the disillusionment, the profound frustration. His face was, as the prophet said, it was marred and disfigured. He gave his back to the smiters and his cheek to those who plucked off the hair. This was not beauty. This was not a time of laughter. This was not a time of rejoicing. This was not a time of a time of love. It was a time to kill, not a time to heal. And yet God was making everything beautiful in his time. And on the third day, dear friends, he made it beautiful. And this is our hope, Christians. No matter what happens in God's providence that is confusing or puzzling or frustrating or painful... that if we have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, His righteousness has become ours and we stand before Him confident that if He made Christ beautiful, He will make us beautiful in His time. And all that is connected to us death. What order can ever be in this disorder? A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to be born, and a time to die. It's orderly, but it's ordered disorder. We all expect it, but it doesn't fit. Robert Trail said that man must have better eyes than those of the physical body that can see any beauty in death. And yet God raises the dead and He has raised up the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, if there is no resurrection and if Christ isn't risen, there is no point. Truly, those words, vanity of vanity... Is the final statement of the word of God, but it isn't. If, after the manner of men, I have fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me? That is, what profit? To use the words of Solomon, what profit is it if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But he is risen. He is risen. Oh, what a blessed time. What a blessed season. What a blessed purpose. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. As we close briefly, this isn't simply a time for a bittersweet parting of ways. And more bitter, I fear, than sweet. It is a time for trust, to trust the Lord, and not to try to fix things that we can't fix. It is a time for patience. We have need of patience that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the reward. It has been said a fool's haste is no speed. We need to play the long game and not give up and not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a time for resolve. To encourage ourselves in the Lord and to steel ourselves for the challenges that are before us. Is it not also a time and a season for banding together? Another very Memorable and precious portion from Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone in a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I've said it before, it's worth saying again. As Benjamin Franklin said to his fellows, we either hang together or we all hang separately. Is this not also a time and a season For laying hold on God. Call upon the Lord while He is near. He is not always near. Call upon the Lord while He is near. Lay hold of Him. Let us lay hold of Him in prayer. That God would enable us to weather the confusion and the frustration and the pain and the seeming vanity and pointlessness of things. And is this not a time of hope? Even in the darkest hours, there is always hope for a Christian. It's not a a wish and a prayer in the sense of the heathen. No, our help is in the name of the Lord who has made heaven and earth. He never forsakes the works of his own hands. We are saved by hope. And we can hope regardless of the season and the time that doesn't seem to fit because of the empty tomb. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Please rise. Oh Lord, how thankful we are for Holy Scripture, which contains, indeed, reveals the wisdom of God and also gives us examples, examples even of believers who have fallen into a bad state of mind, that we may be warned and take heed. Grant that we would acknowledge Thy absolute lordship and sovereignty over time and things. And we pray, Lord, that we would look to that time when Thou wilt make everything beautiful. Receive us, O God, with the pardon of our sins. Amen. You may be seated. We'll close by singing from Psalm 90.